But I wanted to take, every week I'm going to try this, um, I'm going to try to, to show some appreciation because this place runs on Historia. No, it runs on, it runs on volunteers. It runs on our volunteers, and volunteers are just awesome. And I want to take a moment to really just appreciate the people that are really sometimes behind the scenes. So one of the things that you may not know is that uh, we do, uh, we, we broadcast this service live stream right now. We're waving, you know, hey, everybody that's watching online. We typically get, you know, several hundred views um, of the message online, which is super great. Um, and then we offer that, this message on our website and on iTunes and Google Play for you to go ahead and remember, or if you miss a Sunday, you're able to get back and kind of catch up on whatever the message is. Super cool, right? Three of you. Um, typical. All right, we're good. So, but here's what you may not know. We actually do a second podcast. And this podcast is um, led by a guy that I want to show some appreciation to. His name is A.P. Pollock. And he is the guy that basically has picked up this second podcast production. And he and I, we kick back and we talk about the Sunday message. Whenever I have about 30, 35 minutes to talk to you um, on a topic such as the, the body today or last week was the mind, I only can say so much. I, it's impossible to exhaust everything that we could, both theologically but also just doctrinally from um, the perspective of application, um, deep like thinking and topics about all this stuff. There's so many different things that we could talk about. So what we did uh, several years ago is we started doing this second podcast. If you don't know, we've done about 84 episodes of the second podcast, and we have like three listeners. But we don't care because it's so, so fun to do. And so AP loves doing the podcast. We love to be able to talk about that. Just a couple uh, weeks ago, um, we had Lauren Imhoff on as a guest, and she was able to talk about her story. Uh, we were able to have Jill Meyer on, who just graduated from ONU. She told her story. Um, she lost her brother this, this summer, and it was pretty impactful. It was an interesting um, interview and, and discussion about her story. And that's really probably the second big reason we do the second podcast is so that you can hear about what's happening with other people at second place. You guys come in and you guys come out. Many of you have connections here and you see each other during the week. Some of you don't. But the cool thing is, is the second podcast is a place for you maybe to talk about what God's doing in your life. So that may not make sense to you because you're like, I don't know what he's doing, right? <laughs> I wish. But this is something that if you're interested in, you can talk to me or AP about. But I just wanted to show some love to AP. He was here last night at the Saturday service. But let's just give him a hand right now because he is awesome. He's probably listening. So, Again, you can find that on the same feed that our normal messages are. The, the second podcast episodes are numbered, and that's how you know the difference between the message and that one. So super exciting. So I was, in, uh, I was at the, a print shop this past week on Friday afternoon, and I, I go here to pick up some stuff for the church that we get printed there, and um, the woman that, that kind of, she kind of runs the place, um, she was there, and um, it was really good to connect, and I don't know her that well, but typically what I do is I go in, say hi, I get the stuff, and I leave. Well, as I was uh, going in there, uh, I was talking to her a little bit, and, and we, again, we don't know each other that well, and she says to me, she says, so what do you do at the church? And I was like, well, you know, I'm the janitor, um, and <laughs> some, some days, uh, most days, but I, I'm the pastor, and she's like, oh, you know, do you know so-and-so, a pastor she knows, 
in, in a, another suburb uh, nearby, and I was like, ah, man, I kind of remember that. And I don't know what it was. Um, I think it was that we were talking a little bit about this place and about describing, like, why are we called second place and, you know, the idea that Jesus is first and home is first and others are first and really this place is secondary to those things. And we were talking about this place a little bit, the fact that we're in a warehouse, and that kind of led into the fact that she hasn't been to church in about 30 years. And, and as we were talking, and again, I don't know exactly how we got to this point, but as we were talking, she, she began to cry. Right in the middle of her office, um, people kind of like walking by and, you know, tears are flowing. And the thing that I want you to understand, and I'll unpack in just a little bit in my message, is I want you to understand this, because this is the theme that cuts through this series, mind, body, soul, beef jerky, right? Is this idea that our mind, our body, and our soul are woven together. They're intricately connected in ways that we cannot separate. Now, it's helpful for us to separate them, right? Because we can kind of like help ourselves like focus in those areas. But what we need to know is that they're all connected and that one impacts the other. And so as these tears were flowing, what I thought was going to be like a a two-minute connection for me was going to turn into about a 40-minute connection for me. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But for now, what I want you to do is I want you to understand that we're going to hit several different things today, several different passages in Scripture. And and here's what I, I want you to know. I couldn't, as I was studying and I was praying about this message and about this series, I was like, hey, you know what, we're going to talk about the body and we'll just go like, I can't, I can't just get up here and say, don't eat all the donuts. Because you know that already. You're not supposed to eat all the things, right? And, and I know that I could get up here and say, you know what, your body is the temple of God, so you need to exercise, Right? And everybody knows that. Now, whether or not we, we pass on all the donuts and all the, the things, or whether or not we actually do exercise, that's a different story, right? But we know that. We know what we're supposed to do. Whether or not we do it is the other side of the question. So I, I don't necessarily need to talk to you for the next several minutes about the fact that we're, gonna just, we're just going to eat better and we're going to exercise for Jesus, But I want us to look at body, and I want us to understand it a little bit differently. I'm going to set my uh, timer for eight minutes, and when that goes off, we'll we'll do some things. Does that sound good? So um, what I want you to do is know that there's going to be several passages in Scripture we're going to look at today. We're going to tie these together and help us to maybe give us an overview of what God says and what God is showing us sometimes in Scripture about our bodies and how that what they mean to us and to others. And so I want to pray, and I want you right now to, to open up to Acts 17. Um, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. Someone, some kind soul will get you one. Um, but it would be great for you to, to kind of follow along. Acts 17, um, and we're going to look at verse 28. So Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for today. God, thank you for getting us here safely. Help us to now open our eyes, not the eyes that we have, Lord God, to see the things around us, but Lord, the eyes of our heart to be able to understand 
the things of God. Lord, I pray that, that we would not be complacent, we would not be lazy when it comes to your word, that we would read it and that we would apply it and that we would see, God, the connections that you want us to make individually, uniquely, each one of us today when it concerns our mind, our body, and our soul. So God, we give you this time, we give you this moment, and we pray, God, that we would be engaged, focused, we would leave our stuff at the door, all of the worries and all of the, all of the things that are on our minds, Lord, they are so heavy. But God, this is a moment, this is a place where, Lord, we can hear from you. And so, Lord, speak to us in Jesus' name. So Acts 17, verse 28, is a classic verse you probably have heard. It says this, For in, we, in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Some of you know that this is like been, this first part of this verse has been made into a song, right? Guys, it's interactive. I'm going to come down on the ground here in a second if you guys aren't going to talk to me, all right? Have you guys heard? In him we live and move and have our being. Come on, somebody help me out. Now, some of you are feeling like that Pentecostal two-step right there because, you know, you got to be like, in him we live and move. Yeah. And all, in second place, you guys don't move barely at all. I'm just saying, all right? You know what I'm saying? But this song, if you don't know, if you don't know, whoever wrote that song, they wrote a song to Zeus because Paul's quoting a Greek poet. The Greek poet wrote a poem about Zeus, and in that poem he says, For in him, Zeus, we live and move and have our being. And then he quotes another Greek poet who said that we are his offspring, this, this god Zeus. But what Paul does, and so what we need to understand here, is that he's using a tool. He's using a relevant passage, a relevant understood reference for his Greek listeners to help them understand that they got the words right, they just got the object of those words wrong. That they were, he was redeeming this poem in a sense, that he was saying, look, in him we live and move and have our being, but not Zeus, in the one true God, the God that I want to tell you about. And so these words still apply. These words still apply to us. But here's what's interesting. As you unpack what these mean, the word live in this passage, it really means our bodies. It means this is how we live. This is how we breathe. This is how we move through space. This is, this is in God is how we do that. And then, and move is what you would think would be what I just said, right? When we move is when we, how we move through space. But actually, in some translations, this is, says, this says this is we live and are moved. So the, really the sense of this move word is all about emotion. It's how we're moved. It's, how, it's our passion. It's our feelings. It's how we, we, we interact with the world in that way. And then have our being, well, that's even more broad. That is how we exist. The fact that we exist and that we live, we move, are moved, and we exist in the Father, in God. And so probably this is one of the most, probably best examples of like the interweaving of our mind, body, and soul. And as we look at this, we start to ask, I started to ask the question, okay, so the body, the body, how does this really relate? And what is, why is it important for us to think about this? Why is this a whole category for us? Why 
Are we now trying to maybe exercise more because it's the new year? Why are we eating differently because it's the new year? And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 5 because what's interesting about Scripture and the way that God moves is that many miracles are connected and involve a body, someone's body. So in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, verses um, 14 right here, 13 and 14. But this is, so this is Naaman. This is, this is a passage where he had skin disease and he was told by Elisha to go down to the Jordan and to dip himself in the water seven times. Like if you, if you were to be told by, by maybe me or like Dave Short, be like, you know what, Liz, what you need to do, you know, you, you've got a lot of stuff going on, you know, you want to be healed. What I need you to go home today, fill the tub, and I want you to get in that and dip seven times and you'll be healed. I mean, you would think I was crazy. And that's what Naaman thought. He's like, seriously, you want me to go get in a river? Do you not know that I command people, that I, I am not the one that takes orders? I give the orders? I'm not going to make a fool out of myself. And so he went down and he chose, he changed his mind. He went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. So God uses Naaman to, to in his body and he heals him. And so many miracles are involved a body. We see that this, there's many times when, when Jesus will heal someone's mind, but those are fewer and far between compared to the times when he, he heals a blind person or someone who's paralyzed or someone who has a physical ailment. So as you think about that, I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 3. And in Acts chapter 3, we start to see um, another example of where God, a miracle happens because of something that's happening in a person's body. I'm actually going to start a little bit further up than verse 6. Chapter 3, and I will um, start at verse 1. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried in. Now, Now, catch that. He was lame from birth. He was carried in, and each day... He was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them to be healed. He asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Sorry, my timer's going off. So that means y'all need to stand up. Stand on up, and this is the body talk, so I need you to stretch right now, all right? You guys were dozing off. That was an eight-minute run. That was good. You guys focused. Good job. Anybody have, like, the proper stretches, you know? Anybody? Don't, don't hit your neighbor in the eye, all right? For all of you that were dozing off, this is your chance to wake back up. Oh, so good. Does it feel good to move? If you're listening online, you get out of your chair and out of bed, all right? Move. You guys, is this good? Is this good? Oh, yeah. Crack something. Not a person, but yes. All right, you guys can sit back down. Good job. 
I am going to set my timer for another eight minutes. Welcome to second place. So when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, he stood on his feet, and he began to walk. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking, and they heard him praising God. And when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Think about all of the physical things that are happening in that situation. They say, look at me with your eyes. They grab him by the right hand. They pray for him. He's healed. He begins dancing and running, and everyone is amazed. Aren't you pumped about that? Could you imagine being that lame beggar and being healed? That you were lame from birth, and all of a sudden you are able to walk. You see, you can't see your mind, you can't see your soul, but you can see your body. When they saw him running, better be Jesus, all right. He, when they saw him, when they saw him, they were like, you know what? This is unbelievable. This is amazing. This is the lame guy. And now he's running around. You see, when we think about our bodies, think about this and what God is doing in our life, right? In this example, we see that the healing of the beggar led to praise and wonder. The healing of the beggar led to praise and wonder. Why? Because he got up and he started jumping around. Because he was lame and now he was healed. Because he moved his body differently and in a new way, he was communicating, God is doing something in my life that hasn't happened since I was a baby. It's never happened. And because he moved his body differently, and because all of a sudden there was a connection to God because of it, people were amazed and there was wonder. You see, his, his healing was not expressed in his mind, although his mind was probably very much renewed. His, his healing was not expressed in his soul, although his soul was probably renewed in that moment. His healing was expressed in his body. He got up and he moved and he was different. Here's what you need to remember. That if our mind throw back from last week. If your mind, which I believe is, your mind is the one thing that is always looking for your story to change. Think about this. Our mind is constantly looking for opportunities for our story to change. So this beggar, from the time that he was probably a little kid, he went to the gate called Beautiful, and he went there because he was looking for 
money. And he knew that the money would change his story. His mind was like, I got to get to the gate. I've got to go beg. That's how I'm going to feed myself. That's how I'm going to be able to change my story. But little does, does he know that God had a different idea that morning. And he's, his story gets changed in a whole brand new way. He becomes healed. So if our mind is constantly looking for our story to change, our body is the way that we express our story. It's the way that we express what God is doing in our life. Think about that. Um, what we wear expresses something about us. Long sleeve t-shirts now available over on the right there. Just a really, really shameless plug, you know. But we're trying to raise some money to get our band in the studio, guys. It's going to be awesome, all right? But what you wear, it matters. I wear the second place sweatshirt. People are like, really? Second place? That's why we never sponsor any soccer teams or any baseball teams because it'd be like second place on the back and they'd be like, no, thank you. I don't want to be on that team. But what you do, how you move, where you put yourself, the proximity in which you put yourself, whether you go to a growth group and land in somebody's house this Tuesday or Wednesday, that all expresses something about what God is doing in your life. Are you guys with me? Here's how it really works, and this is where it gets a little bit more personal, we'll say. What we have to understand is that what is happening on the outside of us is very much a part and comes from what's happening on the inside of us. Let me say that again. What is, what, the way that you're expressing yourself with your physical body is very much tied to what's happening inside Genesis 3 is a passage we have been looking at over the last several weeks, and I'm going to go there again. Um, when we look at this, this is the point at which Adam and Eve have now eaten the fruit. And it says this, the eyes of both of them were opened. Is this referencing physical eyes? Keep reading. And they realized that they were naked. So the eyes that are being opened are the eyes of their heart, the eyes of their understanding. All of a sudden, they now realize that they're naked. And so they realize in their mind that they're naked, and what do they do? They sew fig leaves to make a cover for themselves. What happens on the inside gets expressed on the outside. I feel shame, I cover up. I feel guilt, I cover up. I feel naked, I cover up. Back to my conversation with my friend at the print shop. Where we got to, and the reason the tears came, is because there was a conversation about her brother that came up. Again, I don't remember exactly how. You guys, have, if you've had a conversation with me, it's really a mess, right? And she said, you know what? I lost my brother three years ago. And during that time, my mom and dad never asked me how I was doing. And I get it. They're older. It's their only son, their oldest son. And they needed a lot of support. And the tears start coming down her face right there in her office. And I'm like, wow, Jesus, what is happening? 
And I believe the Holy Spirit just gave me some words, and I said, you know, you carried your family, didn't you? She's like, yeah. My alarm's going off. Stand back up and stretch. I'll finish the story after you do. You got to do it. It's just discipline. It's just discipline. Some of you are about to cry. Now you're not going to, all right? Just stretch it out. Feel good. When the alarm goes off, there's no, you can't say no. Some of you want me to hit snooze. Stretch it out. Good deal. Some of you are going to sit in different seats. You're like, I'm going to switch seats. Maybe not. I don't know. No, you don't have to. So as she's crying and talking about that, I said, you had to carry your family, didn't you, during that time? And she said, yes. And I said, you had to parent your parents, didn't you? And she said, yeah. And I said, and as the tears are flowing, I said, you know, God really, he was there during that time. And I don't think that he was saying to you, this is your burden I think he was whispering to you something different. And I think what I would encourage you to do is to go home and to maybe pray and ask that question of God. And what were you saying? Because I don't believe that he was saying that that was okay. I think that there needed to be somebody. I think mom and dad maybe needed to ask you how you were doing a little bit. I think that maybe you shouldn't have had to have that burden of the entire family on your back. Here's what's interesting about that. And research proved this, proved this out. Traumatic experiences in our life, when we unpack the memory of those things, it's as if they're happening all over again. And that memory, that story being told of her brother passing away, literally brought her back to that exact moment and she started to cry. There was a physical reaction to something that she was thinking. What happens on the inside gets expressed on the outside. Here's the issue. I said to her, I said, I want you to know something. I want you to know you haven't been to church in 30 years. But I speak to people every week, and there's people that go to church every week around the country, around the world, and they never get to the tears. Because you know why? Because they have learned a very, very trick, a really interesting trick, which is to pack down the trauma to forget about it and to move away from it because it hurts too much. But what God wants to do is he wants to heal you from that. I said, you're further along than some people who go to church every single week. You got to the tears. So for us, I think what's interesting, I've walked with a slouch for much of my life. I've been asking God, like, when did that first happen? You know, Sarah, I'll be like, you're souching, you know. Appreciate it. Mostly. But I, I wonder if there might have been something that was put on me that I felt that, rolled the shoulders forward and had to carry. I don't know. I think I have some thoughts about it. It's really difficult for me to remember to stand up straight because <laughs> I just go there. And it's caused back problems and all that stuff. But I want to ask the question of you. Have you done any of the work to say, okay, what is happening? What has happened on the inside? What is those moments in my life that really, like, I'm triggered and I, I lose it? And what do I do physically? 
the Disney movie called The Kid, you know, from like 20 years ago, years ago, so good, right? But he, he has a tick, and he kind of twitches his eye, and through the movie, he finds out where the tick started. You see, what's really cool about God is that he redeems us. He wants to heal those moments, but here's what's really cool. Sometimes what's happening with God on the inside gets displayed on the outside. So we'll, we'll get ready, and we'll, we'll begin to shift in a few minutes, and we'll start to worship and we'll begin to feel the presence of God. Sometimes you'll feel that at home. You'll feel the presence of God. You'll have an amazing prayer time, and you'll be on your knees, or you'll raise your hands in a few minutes, or you're going to find a different spot in the warehouse. You're going to literally move your body because you're saying, I want to shift my thinking. I don't want to be distracted by anything else. I'm going to move around. I'm going to come up here. I'm going to raise my hands and surrender. I'm going to bow down. I'm going to clap. These are the things that we respond because God is doing something in our life. But I want you to know that God is wanting to redeem all those things in your life. What you do on the outside with your body is indications. It's an expression of what's happening on the inside. And what I think is the the tragedy of, of our lives as believers is when we are fooled into thinking that we are naked and we need to cover up and we need to be able to cover our shame, cover our guilt, and then guess, guess what happens? Is our unique expression of what God is wanting to do in our life is muted and we don't get to be a part of it. We don't get to see it. We don't get to experience it. The, the, it's like the lame beggar is healed and can walk, but he never gets up. The praise and the wonder and the amazement never happens because the lame beggar stays in his spot and he keeps begging for money and he doesn't understand that his legs have been healed. He has been made whole and he can walk. But why? Because of this. So his voice mattered. His his expression mattered and so does yours because your story when told, when you allow God to animate your body, And allow him to to show through what you're doing. Some of you haven't raised your hands ever in worship. Let me tell you, you know, there's a part of you that wants to. There's a part of you that wants to bow down. Believe me, when we stand before the presence of God, I'm getting on my knees. I'm probably getting like as low as possible. I'm laying out. But here we're around people and they watch what we're doing with our bodies. God wants to redeem those things in you. I think the last thing that I want to hit, and I, and I almost want to stop there because I feel as though we, we've got an opportunity to just allow God to allow us to, man, just express. But I want to make one more point. The reason why we have a story to tell, the reason why we have a voice that matters is because the way God redeemed us was by destroying the body of his son. Many of you know this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It should be up there. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, is, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. God builds the bridge to your story so that it can be expressed, so that the lame can walk, 
and the blind can see and so that we can be redeemed and move from light to dark because Jesus was broken. And we see in Romans 12, which we hit on yesterday, or last week, but the first verse in that, in that chapter talks about the fact that what you should do, you should, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's sacrifice, in view of God's offering, that you would offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. The fact that there is a kindred spirit, there is a connection point between the fact that Jesus gave his body for us and then, his, then there's a call to us to give our bodies to the world as a sacrifice to God, as a living sacrifice. So the last time that we're going to stand, the alarm's going off. Um, why don't you guys stand up? The band can come up. And I want you to just take the next few minutes and I want you to, to, to really think about a few things. First, I want you to think about what you're doing with your body over the next few songs. Second, I want you to think about where you are in the warehouse. Some of you I want, and I want to do this. I want to challenge you out of a response to what God is doing in your life in the same way that the beggar jumped up and ran, that out of a response to what God is doing in your life, that you would do something differently than you normally have done in the past. Some of you haven't raised your hands. Some of you haven't bowed down, but you felt like you should. Some of you haven't closed your eyes. Some of you haven't even Open your mouth to sing because you think you don't have a great voice. Join the club. But I want to challenge you. Some of you have never moved out of your seat when the music starts. <laughs> but sometime, to, maybe today, some of you are going to say, you know what, I'm just going to scooch. I'm going to move a little bit. I'm going to move to a different spot in the warehouse and I'm going to do something different. Maybe raise my hands, maybe kneel down. And guess what? It's all good. Nobody is going to judge you or look down on you. But I want you to do that differently. And then if some of you, some of you are saying, I need, I would like to pray. I'd like to pray about some of the stuff that I think might be holding me back. Sarah's right here. We'll be in the back on this side, in the back there. And we would love to be able to pray with you. And, and pray with you about those things. So Heavenly Father, we, we just ask God right now that as, as your praise gets lifted up into the heaven, Lord God, we pray that you would allow us to think about what we're doing. God, that our bodies are an expression of what we're doing and, our, and what you're doing in our life. And so Lord, I pray that we would have the confidence and the inspiration and the animation to move in this warehouse, to maybe raise our hands or kneel down or to, to close our eyes, or to lift our voice. And Lord, that as we do this, Lord God, that there will be a reaction, there will be praise and amazement and wonder. That's the, that's the result, that's the outcome of what happens when you do something in our life. So Lord, help us to not be so contained. Help us to lose in a care about what anybody else thinks. And just focus on you and what you want us to do right now, God. 
Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in our lives. Lord, that you would, you would show us, Lord God, the places and the spaces in our life where we feel naked and where we feel like we have to cover up. Lord, you want to redeem that. You want to free us from those things. Some of those things are things that were done to us. Some of the things are, those things are things that we did. And Lord, either way, you want us to find freedom. Help us to take a half step towards that today. So God, we give you this moment. We give you this time in Jesus' name. Uh, last night, I was sensing um, that God was wanting to move in some healing. Uh, and the worst part was I didn't want to come up and say that because I was afraid I'd offend some people. And um, you know what? I'm done with that. So offend away. Here we go. I think there's some physical healing that needs to happen in some of our bodies. Um, and I also think there's some uh, wounded spirits that need to be healed that are expressing themselves physically. And when we come to the altar, wow. I mean, I, I guess I hope you're feeling that, that I'm not just making that up, that I'm not trying to be um, emotional here. Because there's some emotion here that is anger in me, that we've allowed some things to rule. When we read Genesis 3, the devil came to steal, kill, and destroy in the garden. They had perfection. They had health. They had strength. They had unity with God. So their emotions were, were well. They were doing what they were built to do. And the devil came to steal that. And Jesus came to give it back. And not just give it back, but give it in abundance. So right now, we're going to pray. I don't know. Maybe you need to raise your hand and get someone by you because there is something about laying on of hands. Um, man, I wish I had some oil. I'd be pouring oil on folks. I mean, we want to take back what God has for us. This is, we walk in wholeness and health because of him. And I, I can't explain. I don't, I mean, I get angry when I think about Micah's body being broken and not doing because I want to fix it. My mommy heart wants to make that all better. And yet he's doing the work and he's going to Jesus and he's saying, okay, what? What do you, what do you, what are you asking me? What are you doing? What's, what's my body telling me it needs? I, I want to hear your voice and do what you ask me to do. So, um, find someone by you. If you need, um, someone to agree with you, if you've got physical healing, um, if you've got something in your spirit that you're like, listen, this is not who I am. This does not define me. I am not a label. I am a child of Christ, and I walk in abundance, and that means health, and that means strength. So, Father, we come before you with confidence right now. We come boldly to you, and we speak to what is robbing our body right now, and we tell it, just like you spoke to the storm, you said to the wind and the waves, be still. We speak to whatever in our body needs to come under your authority. And we tell it in the name of Jesus that it must go. Sickness, speak to it by name if you know what it is. 
an emotion that has robbed you, speak to it by name and tell it it no longer defines you. It is not who you are. You are not anger. You are not bitterness. You are not hatred. And we speak life into each and every one of us. Our bodies will express the love of who Jesus is from here on out. We give you place right now here at the altar. We come before you and we leave it at your feet. And we say, Jesus, come be all that you are. We do not take for granted the price you paid on that hill. It was a gift so that we can live this life to its fullest because we are an expression to the world around us of who you are. So we walk in freedom. And when circumstances are around us that look very different, they may look like chaos, they may look like sickness, we choose to praise you in that. And it's in that praise that you get glorified. That's where that peace resides. And they see a picture of who you are that circumstances don't define. But Jesus, your peace that passes all understanding goes before us. And we walk out of here confident knowing that you have, you have met us here and we are forever changed by your love. And it's in your mighty and precious name we ask this, Jesus. Amen.